We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Hello and welcome into another Three Mile Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined as always by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former B-Rider for the Manhattan Mercury. <sighs> this may be an interesting one, folks. Uh, therapy session, vent session, whatever you want to call it, whatever our Mizzou friends had to go through last week, that is what uh, we are going through this week because K-State lost to Tulane 17-10 uh, to on Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium in a game that really kills a lot of excitement and hype for the season and leaves you wondering where exactly the hell K-State is going from here. Uh, no matter where it's going, you can take the edge off with some 360 vodka from Holiday Distillery or some Ben Holiday bottled in Bond bourbon. Uh, make sure and load up on it if you're going to watch the OU game this weekend. Vegas thinks it'll be a competitive-ish game, but I know most of us probably think it may take a drink or two to get through it. Uh, just make sure that you stock up from Holiday Distillery. K-State people who have supported this podcast, check out 360 Vodka or Ben Holiday Bottled in Bond Bourbon. And by the way, if you are going to be watching the game on Saturday and you're in Manhattan, we will be, be doing a live pre- and post-game show at Tanner's uh, starting at 6. So come see us at Tanner's in Aggieville. Uh, you won't be able to meet D.Y. He's going to be you know doing his thing actually out there in Norman, but Cole and I will be there. And we all know that, you know, we're the two most popular on the show. So we'll have, uh, we'll have everybody there ready to meet us and, uh, and ready to go at Tanner. So check it out. We can talk more about that later on in the show as well. Uh, we were unhinged. We were off the rails last time. I don't know if that was like some karma because I tell you what, uh, you know, I talk a lot. Okay. I talk a lot, especially on social media. And when, Kansas starts 3-0 and out of nowhere, and they're just destroying Houston on the road. And we're talking about college game day coming to Lawrence, and K-State farts out 10 points against Tulane and takes a big, fat home L. It's not real fun for your boy to be on the internet. It's not real fun for your boy to be on Twitter here. So uh, I don't know. Someone want to explain to me what exactly the hell happened, uh, why it is that I'm having to avoid Twitter like the plague right now? Anybody? On the, on the KU front, they're getting really good quarterback play. On the Kansas State front, they are not. And that that's really the the, best, the most important position on the field, and we're seeing that in front of our very eyes that right now. Kansas State is an offensive problem. It, it could have been explained away in game one. You know, maybe you're holding things back. Uh, game two, you're playing in a monsoon, essentially. But, I, you know, we're past the point of justification and excuses, and now just have – to see improvement and, and where it goes from here. But that was, you know, a discombobulated failure on Saturday against Tulane. They couldn't move the ball at all. They, they got into several third and fourth and shorts, I think uh, 20 of them, and I think they converted three of them. Three. Uh, three of them. That's it. Uh, three of 20 on third and fourth down. All of them were in short, but a lot of them were. Uh, Adrian Martinez still feels like, He's still trying to find his footing in this offense for one reason or another, playing probably too risk-averse at this point. I'm not sure. I think we've seen him probably throw the ball in the air beyond 15 yards, maybe three times this year. And to his credit, two of them have been fantastic, right? Um, the one to Phillip Brooks that was dropped against South Dakota was right on the money. 
the touchdown toss to Cade Warner was right on the money. Um, that, that, I mean, that's one of the better passes you'll see um, this year. But for some reason, he's just unwilling to uncork it any more than that when he's already shown the ability to be very efficient when he does. Even when he runs, he's a little hesitant. So for they, they just have to, you know, they're probably in search of just one game, uh, one drive, one half, one quarter for him to really, you know, find a groove, a rhythm that really gets him going and maybe that'll propel him forward. You, you hope that the touchdown toss to Kate Warner would have done that, but obviously that wasn't the case. That's where I was, D.Y. I thought, I thought the TD pass to Warner, beautiful throw and catch was going to be what would get him going in that game and nothing hit. really nothing triggered after that so you know it, it just feels so mental right now for adrian martinez when you watch him play he looks like he's not playing free and loose he's playing hesitant he's overthinking everything and he's just scared to unleash the ball and throw it downfield kansas state had guys open uh throughout the game downfield and and he just wouldn't throw the ball sometimes he if his first read wasn't there he would just get rid of it uh you know there was a play think on the next to last drive of the game where they, they ran an RPO and Cade Warner was downfield blocking, wasn't even looking. Adrian looked that way. And as soon as he saw Warner wasn't looking, he just tossed it into the stands. Like it's just, it doesn't look right. Everything on the offensive side of the ball, the timing looks off on everything that they're doing. I mean, they try to run a tunnel screen to Malik Knowles. He's hesitating. Now he gets 10 yards on the play, but it looked so out of whack. He got the ball before the blocks really got there. He had to take his, even had to go in reverse to, to get there. The timing was definitely off on that screen. It was still yeah. a good play, but not as good as it could have been. Right. And so look, it's Adrian Martinez. Like I've tried to exercise patience. I've urged patience on this podcast and saying, you know, I made excuses, South Dakota. They tried to keep it vanilla, the rain last week, but to not have the passing game, look significantly better than it did against Tulane. I mean, the excuses are up. I mean, they're, they're quarter of the way through the season. You can't have bumps in the road now at this point with Colin Klein as the offensive coordinator. They should have worked through those things by now. They have to look a lot better than they did. Uh, Adrian Martinez is a guy that last year ranked seventh in the country in both yards per completion and yards per pass attempt. And at 15.2 yards per completion last year, seventh in the country, 9.4 yards per pass attempt, seventh in the country last year. And you look at this year now, he's 120th out of 121 qualified quarterbacks in the FBS in yards per completion at 7.6 and 116th out of 121 FBS quarterbacks in yards per pass attempt at 4.5. So it's hard to explain, guys. Uh it's it, you got to hope that the coaching staff, when they're showing him the film, like this is the the jumping off point where it's a wake up call. And they're like, this, this just isn't going to work. This risk averse football. We got to take chances. You know, we got to go downfield because Deuce Vaughn has nowhere to run. Teams are going to stack the box and completely take him away unless you start to stretch the football field and challenge teams downfield. So hopefully against Oklahoma on Saturday, we see a couple explosives, some some chances taken by Adrian Martinez. I don't even care at this point if it's an interception. I just want to see him confidently yeah. immediately throw the ball downfield uh, like he did at Nebraska. I mean, there he made plays at Nebraska. I know he turned the ball over, but I want to see him play loose and free like he did in Lincoln. Look, and to that note, and, and people maybe roll their eyes or, or don't feed into it or believe it, but it only takes a few. Like for that defense to loosen up and for Deuce to have the space to operate in and do what Deuce does. So now, obviously, he wasn't Deuce last well, this past Saturday either, and some of that's because there's not a whole lot of space there for him to kind of do what he does, and, and then he had to go into the locker room for a full quarter to get a full IV because um, he was cramping. So he, you know, they they had that working against them as well. Not an excuse, but man, if you just get three or four of those. Like that, the kind of almost changes the season a little bit uh, where you are. And I, people would probably say, well, we just lost the Tulane. So what are you talking about? But defenses have to defend you so differently, and your offense has so much more at their disposal if there is at least that to honor. Like the, the problem for them right now is no one has to honor it. But everything changes completely if they at least have to honor it. Yeah, well, I just – I'm not that optimistic they're going to get there, but we'll see. I mean, they because like you guys said, it felt like that watershed moment in the game when he throws that ball to, to Cade Warner, just a dime. But here's the offense after that. 
downs, punt, punt, downs, punt, downs. I mean, just as bad as it gets. I, I see even – I laugh at this. I look at it. I had tweeted this, so I look at the first reply, and it's a Nebraska fan saying, that's Martinez for you. Well, no, it's really not because the the Adrian Martinez at Nebraska, that would be like touchdown, interception, fumble six, field goal, touchdown. It's It's just so different. He's not willing to do anything. I mean, I hate to say – that I told you so, but I mean, it's the same thing that we saw in week one. It just finally got exposed. Um, Tulane probably is the best team that they've played so far. As I, you know, I watched Missouri fart around with Abilene Christian on Saturday, Tulane probably is the best team that K-State has played so far. And they, he just doesn't have it, man, does not have the confidence to do anything right now. And I know there's been some speculation about like, is the shoulder surgery still an issue there? I just the way that I've seen him throw the ball down the field a couple of times, it doesn't seem like that's really the issue. I, I yeah. don't buy that. It just seems to be mental and decision-making, even to the point of I thought a huge play in the game is settling for a field goal at the end of the first half when it looked like Malik Knowles, the way the play was designed to get him kind of out in the flat toward the end zone, it was right there, and he hesitates on it and doesn't throw it. And and throughout the game, constantly, it was driving me nuts and I guess maybe some of this is on Colin Klein too, but it feels to me like this would probably be more on the quarterback. But how many times in the game was there a third down and the ball is being thrown four yards in front of the first down marker? It's just being dumped off to somebody to like Ben Sinnott and you're expecting him to be able to maneuver enough to get the first down. I just, it was driving me nuts. They would not try to throw the ball in front of the sticks. And it, you, it I don't know. Again, we're watching Kansas's offense just light the world on fire where they can move the ball with ease. And I literally had it on screens right next to me as I'm watching this game. So that probably adds to the frustration here. But the fact that they have not been able to build up any sort of competent passing attack and we're doing that the entire game. I mean, I felt like an Iowa fan. I yeah. felt like an Iowa fan on Saturday. I will say and some of those, that, that's just the check down. It's not necessarily where the ball has to go. There was a few plays where Martinez got – he made it look like the check down was the first read. Like That's I, what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know if it's panic, if it's – what it, I don't know what it is. And, and Cole picked out a perfect play too, that little – whatever that route was to Cade Warner. And it was just a, a quick drop by Martinez, and he was just going to look to Cade Warner – and there's, there's no pressure, even though he took a quick drop. There's absolutely no pressure, and he tosses that ball almost into the stands. Like that was, that was puzzling. Yeah, I mean the the last drive of the first half, he clearly checked the ball down back to back plays to Deuce Vaughn before even looking anywhere else. It, it looked like it was his first read. I don't know if it was to just get out of bounds. Deuce was good enough to get out of bounds multiple times, but yeah, it was it was puzzling with with some of the things and the decision making they did. I, I we all want. Adrian Martinez to succeed. We all really like the guy. He's extremely charismatic. He's a great dude. Um, really hope he turns it around and he's an extremely intelligent dude. And so you just got to think when he's watching this film and talking to the coaches that something triggers in his head that I got to get back to, to being what I was in Lincoln. And I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas State's coaches show him the film in Lincoln, you know, to remind him of some of his highlight plays. And we want you to play like that again and play loose and free out there because this is not going to work. And you got an all-American running back. You got to take advantage of it and figure out a way to open up some holes for him. You know, this they're right now on pace to have the lowest yards per pass attempt since 1985 when Randy Williams was the primary starting quarterback. Uh, so that's uh that's not gonna work. And Randy the, Williams, who I didn't who is, uh, looks like he I'll say this. He's not and maybe I'm maybe this is too soft, but this is how I talk and how I view things and, and kind of the way I put it out there. I'm not even saying he's playing bad. I mean, I mean, it's bad for Kansas state because they need more, but he's not playing bad. He's just playing too safe. Yeah. I mean like way too safe, but like, I, I feel like too safe is even a little bit kind there. And again, yeah, I Probably. really like the guy want him to succeed was very excited, bought into why this would work and why it, it, it did not at Nebraska desperately want it to work but it's like but it's like a totally different guy than what we saw in nebraska like the it reverse is. Yeah. it is i i don't and i don't know we we we're having this discussion off air i'll just raise it here another piece of the offense here that i think is a part of this and i know derek i maybe i'll let you make this defense but colin didn't have a ton of 
tools that were working well in his arsenal on Saturday. But you have a new offensive coordinator that I think a lot of people obviously love and for good reason. And these are tricky situations when it's a guy that's, you know, a, a real folklore kind of hero at the school and you bring him in and everybody thinks he has great potential and Kleiman certainly is very high on him. And I, I think he has potential, but it doesn't mean that there's not growing pains at the very least. And I think we're seeing a lot of that with Colin Klein as the offensive coordinator right now. And, and there is some element of be careful what you wish for after Courtney Messingham last year, because it was the Texas game that got him fired when they were really struggling, particularly on third and fourth and short. And we just saw, I think the worst game I've ever seen K-State play in third and fourth and short on Saturday. So, you know, I don't, I just, there, there are a lot of problems on offense that, that go beyond just Adrian Martinez, but I raised that to raise the question. Did they do too much of this to him in practice leading up to this? I know they outwardly said that they, they did not, but when a guy comes out and looks like that, I don't, is he not doing that in practice? And they're just not, I mean, if it is Adrian, right. And it's not, they didn't coach him to do that. So he's just, he's not showing that in practice at all. And then goes out on the field and all of a sudden is incredibly timid. Like what, what do we think is the, the deal? I think it's that. I, I actually do think it's that because here, here's my thing is like, you know, from what we know, Colin Klein, and I don't think that he's going to be trumpeting something for six months without there being some kind of truth to it. Like, Hey, he can't be afraid to make mistakes. He can't be afraid to make a turnover. Then we heard Chris Kleiman say the same thing. That, yeah, I get it. There's going to be people that think they coached this into him, and that's why he's playing this way. I, I don't buy it because they'd almost be putting the blame on him if that was the case, and I, they're not going to do that. They support their players. They don't not support their players. They support them to a fault. So I think I don't think they did. Because, look, Adrian, we asked him, hey, are you playing hesitant? And, you know, a guy that was maybe coached that way would say, hey, I'm just, you know, being careful. You know, I just wanted the ball security mattered. You know, sometimes we heard that a few times, but we didn't hear that. He's like, no, I, I haven't felt hesitant one time this year. Uh, so I just don't see that. I mean, none of us know. But that's my take. I don't see that. In terms of Colin Klein and his offense coordinator abilities, look, he's been offense coordinator now for four games, so I'm not going to make any grand sweeping conclusions like you like you, you alluded to. It's We have a short sample size here. We also – look, there – I'm not going to lie. Was there a few third, fourth down calls there that left me scratching my head? Yes. Um, more than usual? Yes. Um, sometimes that's going to happen. I probably have done that about the best offensive coordinators in football. Cliff Kingsbury, great offensive play caller steve sarkisian great offensive play caller i questioned them too was it a little bit more on saturday than usual absolutely i would agree with that at the same time i don't know what the alternative would have been <laughs> because there wasn't anything working well and he also i would just say in my opinion here i don't think he got a lot of help from his head coach making decisions on when to go forward and when to punt it, it just felt to me like the feel was was completely off i disagreed with almost every single one of those decisions now I don't have them all listed out in front of me. Um, if I really wanted to go back and chronicle that, maybe maybe there is one or two that I can be like, oh, okay, I get it. But the, the way the game was going, the way your offense was not performing in short yardage at all, and the way the defense was continuing to be very good, I mean, at least good enough uh, to continue to, to hold to lane down for the most part. I would have tried to flip the field, pin them deep, get some field position for your offense, maybe create a situation where Phillip Brooks gets a short field for a punt return and, and you can bust something like that. I mean, I would have just gone into more of that mode playing that way. And I'm typically, I'm going to be more of like analytics guy, go for it. But I also think you just have to mix in like a feel for the game. And like, it was just not going well in short yardage at all. And they didn't have the juice. And even if you convert one of those, I don't know. How confident are you that they're going down the rest of the way? I, I don't know. I just would have rather, almost put the hands of the game of defense and special teams in a lot of those spots. I, I can understand that, and I'll kind of throw it to Cole here. But, no, I understand those, too. And some of those, you know, can be argued one way or the other. There's there's definitely hindsight and in-game reaction that, you know, we would have maybe done things a lot differently for, for sure. But, yeah, going back to Klein, and I'll toss it to Cole, like, yeah, well, maybe we didn't like some of the things that they did call. But is there one thing that – that you would like that either of you would have called that you think would have worked like that just uh, I don't know their run game pass game neither was there yeah yes uh, I would have pulled Avery Johnson off the sideline and put him into the game is what I would have done 
Um, well, I, on the Colin Klein front, I would just say that in any third and one or fourth and one, get under center and run a quarterback sneak. If anybody understands quarterback sneaks, it's Colin Klein. I mean, that's what the dude did. It frustrates the hell out of me when they line up in shotgun needing one yard and they're running a speed option to the perimeter. And, you know, that play call, yeah, a lot of people see that Deuce is out in space potentially, but as DY talked about off air, it's, it's going to be up to Deuce to make that guy miss. Now you probably like your odds, but they had a guy that was going to be in position to try and make that tackle short. So I hate that call. Just get under center, get the yard. They did that one time Saturday. Guess what? It worked. Tulane did it one time Saturday with the game on the line. It worked. I think a few of them were probably a little too long for the sneak, but there's probably one or two others where they could have. Yeah, and so and to John's point on the punting, so the sequence that sticks out to me, guys, is the very first drive of the second half and the very last drive of the game. First drive of the second half, Chris Kleiman goes for it on fourth and eight from the two-lane 48-yard line. You're up 10 to seven. You can pin them back inside the 10, have the defense out there fresh coming out of halftime to pin them back, get great field position again, maybe force a turnover and capitalize. But Chris Kleiman elects to go for it. Adrian Martinez scrambles, ends up a yard short. Tulane gets the ball at the 41-yard the line. But then inexplicably, Chris Kleiman elects to punt the football with two minutes and 18 seconds left in the game with three timeouts left from his own 48 on fourth and 12. Kansas State never touches football again. I don't understand. Like, look, the odds aren't great the way the offense looked that you're going to convert a fourth and 12. Maybe you get a pass interference. Maybe you just make a play. But you can't punt the football there. If you're going to go for it on fourth and eight when you're ahead 10 to seven from basically the same spot on the field to start the second half, how the hell do you explain punting the football when all Tulane needs is one first down and the game is over? I, I, I can't fathom that. I, I don't understand that decision at all. It felt like just uh, just throwing darts at that point and hoping the defense would come up with some sort of miracle play. And look, they did get them in a fourth and one situation, but credit to Willie Fritz and Tulane for having the guts to go for it and, hey, run a quarterback sneak. You know, back to the the Colin Klein thing. Like there, There's sequences for sure that I really question. Like we talked about just some of them. That drive to end the first half, you get 28 seconds left with two timeouts and the first play they run is a quarterback run from the 23 yard line. That's going to automatically burn a timeout. I, I don't understand that play call. Why are you burning a timeout right off the bat, running a play that you know is going to result in that happening. And then the Ben Senate shovel pass at the seven yard line, that's going to lead to another burnt timeout. Like there was uh, the, the obsession with the shovel passes in this game. They ran three of them. It never worked. Tulane had it bottled up and defended perfectly well every time. I don't understand what in the hell they were doing with the shovel passes. And if I see Ben Sennett split out at wide receiver one more time, I'm going to lose my damn mind. What is the point of putting Ben Sennett out wide? That is like Sammy Wheeler is the tight end that's going to be more of your receiving threat in the tight end game. They have an obsession with putting, and this isn't to knock Ben Sennett, like he's more of a prototypical fullback or lineup on the line at tight end and they have an obsession with splitting him out. At one point, they had DJ Giddens and Ben Sennett split out at wide receiver. What the hell are we doing? What is that? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I mean, a part of the problem is... I. 
who are the receivers coming? I mean, look, if, if we're advocating for more, uh, just to see more RJ Garcia, I guess, you know, I could get, I could get on board with that. But I mean, it seemed like the only guy catching passes is Cade Warner and, and like nothing against Cade Warner at all made a hell of a catch in the end zone, but that's not, if that's the guy, and this goes back to conversations we've been having since the beginning of the year, but if that's the guy that's going to be catching most of the balls, you're not explosive enough at all. And that's a major issue. So yeah, look, Cole, I'm not taking anything away from your argument at all. It's just um, pretty limited right now. They don't seem to believe in Keenan Garber, um, you know, which looks kind of like, that looks like a big recruiting miss. Uh, they don't seem to really believe enough yet in RJ Garcia. He played some, but to like really truly get him involved, Malik Knowles continues as a receiver to just be there. And that's about it. So I, I don't, I don't know, man. And well, we probably have always with Malik, there's always enough tantalizing talent there when he gets the ball in his hand that you can kind of talk yourself into every year. Like, oh, this will be the year that he turns it on like as an actual productive receiver. And it it just it really has not happened. Well, yeah, I agree with that. And look, I don't think I need to throw many numbers your way, guys, to let you know how bad Saturday was. But K-State averaged 0.77 points per drive in that game. That was the second worst of the climate era, only behind the Iowa State game in the COVID season where they got shut out 45 to nothing. So this was this was worse than the Texas game last year, worse than the Baylor game when they scored 10. Um, you know, so just a, a pitiful performance. And to your point, uh, some of those decisions is what got Courtney Messingham fired. And uh, K-State's going to have to be better in, in third and fourth and short. And the other thing I'll say, is these offensive duds happen far too often in the Chris Kleiman era. This is the ninth time in his coaching career at Kansas State in three-plus seasons that the offense has produced 14 points or less in a game. It's the Big 12. You can't be doing that. Well, and, and to me, that brings me – that's actually a really nice segue. I think it's a little bigger picture point about this game and why I am just so down in the dumps about it is because, yes, these these sort of moments have happened every single year. If you go back, so like last year, they lose three straight, right? Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Iowa State start trailing at Texas Tech. Things do not look like they're going good. I mean, it looks three and three, season on the brink. You're like, what is going on here? Uh, they find a way to get it turned around. So this is a part of the point. They find a way to get it turned around. They win Tech. <clears throat> they win four straight. And they win the bowl game, and they have at least like an okay season, right? You're, you're seven and five, eight and five season. 2020. They start out, they lose to Arkansas State, which is another trend, Cole. There's been one of these WTF games every single year where they've lost as a 14-plus point favorite. That's happened all three years under Climbing. Happens with Arkansas State. Then they turn around and beat Oklahoma and Norman and win four straight. So, you know, they, they turn it on. Now, lost out from there. We know 2020 was a bit of a different deal. But 2019, lose those back-to-back -back games to Baylor and Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma State, where you score a combined 25 points. Then they rip off three straight. Then they lose two more and you're feeling bad. Then they rip off two straight. I mean, this has kind of been the ebbs and flows of the climate era. This this is generally how it goes. So I am not someone that's going to sit here and say, I, I think this team is tanking and that they're, they're going to be a four-win team again like they were in 2020 because generally, generally, Kleiman gets it figured out. But he gets it figured out to the point of a 7-5 and five season. And this was the year where it was supposed to be breakthrough take the next step and when you have this loss to Tulane and the offensive problems that are there and I I know you guys are selling me on their, their they probably will play much better in Norman I would not expect them to get Nebraska in Norman this weekend but you know if it's a second loss there you're you're two and two already where's the progress coming from this year even if it is something that can help turn Adrian Martinez on it just feels like you've already lost hope for this being the step forward year. And that's, that's, a, it's a killer man to not only lose that, but to lose it in week three and lose it coming off of the high of beating the crap out of Missouri and lose it at home to Tulane. It's a massive bummer. And I just, I want these seasons. I want these seasons to be relevant. And like you have a place in the college football world and people are at least talking about you a little bit and you're playing games that mean something and are important that it, feels to me like that's already slipped away from this season, which had higher expectations than about any since 2012. So that, that is why I, I know you guys have been telling me I'm I'm too negative, like in the group chat and stuff. I mean, that is why I am very down in the dumps about this because especially next year, love Avery excited that he's coming in next year. looks like it's going to be a step back unless they really hit the hell out of the transfer portal and hit some home runs. So 
I don't, that that's the situation, big picture to me, and why this just really sucks. I can, you know, that all that all is fair, and the next few weeks will determine where we're going this year. I mean, it's put up or shut up time at this point. I mean, I I agree with everything you said, John. I mean, that definitely will pop into my head as well because before the season, we talked about as we ran through the season predictions and went through the schedule and the importance of this year that if they weren't going to get to nine plus wins this year, when, when are they ever going to get to that in the Chris Kleiman era? This is his best team in terms of talent on the field. Now that was presuming Adrian Martinez would be better than he's been to date. But you look at this defense that they have. I mean, the defense has been lights out. Uh, they've got an all American at running back. They've got an all American on the offensive line and a seven and five, eight and four season is going to feel like a disappointment, especially a seven and five year at this point. So that, that can't happen. I mean, because it almost feels like your, your ceiling is just being limited at eight wins. And, you know, I don't expect Chris Kleiman to be competing for the Big 12 every year. I don't think any of us do. But what I was hoping for was about every four years to have a chance to make a run, to be a serious contender for that. And look, to be fair, K-State is 0-0 in Big 12 play at this point. They, they did not lose a Big 12 game yet. That was against a non-con team. So if you're going to take a loss, you'd rather it be in the non-con to Tulane. But it definitely doesn't help you feel confident going into Norman. I felt like this team, in order to get to that 9-3, and 10-2 type threshold, needed to be 5-1 and one through six games. And that just doesn't feel like it's in the cards at this point because of what transpired on Saturday. It's not just that they lost, but it's how bad they've looked on the offensive side of the ball that doesn't give you a lot of confidence in their ability to rattle off three of the next four games, um, three of the four, which are on the road. So that's, that's where I'm struggling with it. Look, I, they could come out on Saturday and Norman and surprise the hell out of us. And I, I sure as hell hope they do because I'm hoping they just cut it loose. They, it kind of feels like their backs are against the wall. They got nothing to lose. Nobody expects them to win now. Maybe they're going to sneak up on OU. OU may be overlooking them as well. And Kansas state's done it before. To be fair, no one no one thought they had a chance in hell of winning in Manhattan in 2019 or in 2020 heading to Norman after the Arkansas State game. So it can definitely happen. I, I'll put it like this. And this is if you want to try to put on your purple colored glasses and pump a little sunshine and and dream a certain way um, just to feel in any kind of optimism going forward. Um, well, one is what happened after the Arkansas State game. Um and, and, and if you want to go back further, right, was it 2003 with Marshall? So. Yeah, but I know I'm really digging there because then it, it could just as well be 04 Fresno State. So um, so those are just a few examples. And I will say this, and this probably people will probably roll their eyes. They're a good quarterback play away from being right where we thought they were a week ago. Yeah. And. That seems very doubtful by the way he's looked. I get it, but he's also done it before with mistakes, mind you, but he's played well before. So we're not asking him necessarily to do something that he hasn't done before. So that's why it feels kind of fair to say they're a good quarterback away from being the team that we thought they were because the defense, assuming you know that remains the status quo, and hopefully Nate Malak is fine, And but even without him, I think they're – still good enough they're good enough to keep them in every game i mean I, even next week like i know dylan gabriel's looked really good and oklahoma could just as easily score 40 points against them i know that but the defense is i'm not so sure the defense isn't good enough to keep them in that game i i think it'll be competitive yeah the, the one test that will be for the the defense and i know we'll talk more in depth about this on our ou preview but you know, Oklahoma is going to play a much quicker pace than anything Kansas State's really seen, and the offense cannot afford to be going three and out and putting that defense back on the field quickly like they were doing against Tulane. I mean, the defense was on the field. I know K-State won the time of possession battle against Tulane, but it just felt like defense kept getting put in awful situation after awful situation, and they kept making plays, and they finally broke at the end. So, yeah, I, I, I think I would feel much better, and I'm not a moral losses guy, but if Kansas State can come out, be competitive, and the offense shows some explosives in the passing game, and Adrian Martinez takes some chances and he looks confident in doing so, I'll feel a lot better about the direction of the season, even in a loss, than if it's the same status quo. I mean, if they go out there and throw for 140 yards on 30 passes again, 
Oh, we got to start thinking about a quarterback change at that point. We got to start talking about it because that's that's just not going to work. Yeah, and, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I hate to. I'm just being. I'm going to Debbie Downer everything, but I mean, it's like, yeah, that's all great. I, that would be obviously more encouraging than where things are at right now. But I'm like, uh, okay, so they played better, but now you're two and two, and you do have a loss, and you have a loss at Oklahoma, and Oklahoma looks like the probably the best team in the league so far to this point. So you so, think they have to beat Oklahoma? It, to to achieve what to achieve what we wanted at the beginning of this year. Well, yes. to, to, to be fair, I mean, we all picked us to pick Kansas State to beat Oklahoma, right, in our preseason prediction. But I think the majority of people would probably have pegged the OU game as a loss when they went through the predictions, even when they thought this was going to be a nine-plus win season. So they can lose to Oklahoma and still rattle off a bunch of wins. Big 12 is wide open. They got to look a lot better in losing to Oklahoma. If they so lose, they yeah, more yeah. wide open. But there's also there is no, there is nothing guaranteed on that schedule. Well, there is. You think you think they're just going to roll out the roll the ball out there and beat Texas? That, 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 that's what I'm saying. It, it, Kansas it, looks it, like they would roll K State right now. If they were I mean, to Kansas fall, looks like they win that game by three touchdowns. If they were to fall against Oklahoma and the offense still showed no signs of life, then then I would think you worry about a confidence issue and like. With, within the team, and we've seen confidence in college football is, <laughs> plays a big part. Uh, probably something that we understate, uh, probably as media in general. But if you maybe the offense has signs of life and they feel like they get into a groove, they feel better about themselves heading into that. Um, I don't, they need to win that. I, I still kind of feel that way. Uh, but even more than that, you really do worry about the direction of the season if the offense doesn't show signs of life. Well, we know the culture is strong in the locker from what they've said, but what I would worry about is a defense versus offense in the locker room, right, if the struggles continue. I know they have good leaders, but if the defense continues to be put in bad situations and the offense just can't produce, that's going to yeah, – I don't know if they'll be infighting or anything, but it's it could be problematic. And the reason why they need Adrian is because they need another playmaker to step up, and he's probably the most likely one because of his dynamic athleticism and with his arms and his legs. Well, because because teams only have to worry about Deuce Vaughn. I, I even said this in my article after the game. It's you know the the Kansas State offense was like on Saturday was like we're hoping and praying that Deuce Vaughn gets loose and busts a big one, and that's the way we'll win. That never came. That's why they lost. And Drake Jim dropped the pick six. Not his. That's not why they lost, but that was the one play that they didn't have back, that they would have liked to have back, that probably could have tipped it and they would have lucked out and maybe escaped that game with a win. But you can't just hope and pray that Deuce Vaughn busts a big one every week. Someone else has got to be there that you can count on. And the receiver room being what it is, as we've already alluded to, that's why – so much of the season was going to be on Adrian Martinez's shoulders. Well, let yeah, me, it, let me, Cole, I know you want to interject here. Let me, let me set this up because I will get into the, the quarterback discussion because I think I know you guys are kind of saying, like, hey, he gets at least this next game and maybe more before there's any serious talk about it. People are asking that question, you know, at what point would you make the change? So let's discuss it. But I don't know which one of those kids you would have, kids, look at me. I don't know which one of those quarterbacks you would have as the best bet to get it turned around, but I don't know, maybe there's some kind of prop on DraftKings uh, about when K-State would make a change, but I do know that the wait is over. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is officially live in Kansas just in time for football season. That means betting legally on same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, and more anytime and anywhere across the Sunflower State. To celebrate, DraftKings is giving new Kansas customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on anything and get $200 in free bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on anything. That's code KCSN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21-plus, physically present in Kansas. Eligibility restrictions apply. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash Kansas on behalf of Boot Hill Resort and Casino. Okay. Sure, the Bear uh, had a nice little Saturday, you know. He picked Tulane. Uh, speaking of the old DraftKings, hope he got that in his DraftKings account. I know Cole, you're, you're a big fan, so I'm, I'm sure you were excited that that, uh, that worked out for him. I'm sure he's maybe only five, six games below 500 now. <laughs> what a betting guru that is. I can't really brag. On PowerCat game day, I was, uh, John, three and nine – or three and ten in the standings entering uh, – 
entering week three. I think I had a better Next. week, but yeah, that was. Although my lead pipe block of the week is uh, is two and one, the Houston KU over hit easily. John suffered the unfortunate. John was hoping the Iowa barely. game was going to get canceled. I know, <laughs> I know. I was so close, I ju- and they I'm just barely one, went over. I'm two and one as well because uh, apparently Notre Dame is as bad as everyone thought. Couldn't yeah, yeah boy, how about Cal. that hail? Do Cal almost had a hail mary at the end of the game there? That was, that was crazy. Uh, okay, so I know no reasonable fan I think is going to expect somebody new to be making the start on Saturday at Oklahoma, right? And I agree with you that the the path to this season being what we want it to be or anywhere close to it is Adrian Martinez improving and getting better. But at what point? How, how long is the leash? There are two questions here, really. How long is the leash there? And then two, who is number two in line? Is it still definitively Will Howard? I, I think the leash is still indefinite because if he's already mentally – kind of limited at this point. I don't know how else to say that. Look, his problem is he's got to to believe in himself a little bit more and uncork it, uh, playing with looking over your shoulders, probably not going to be the answer or the solution to that. So I don't think you have any conversations, questions like that. I don't think they are. not saying that you were inferring that there was, but I just don't think that's something that's on the table. And I I bet it it wouldn't be for a few weeks. And I think best case scenario is it comes out, plays well, and – you don't have to ever have those conversations, but with Adrian Martinez, he still provides you unquestionably with the highest ceiling for this team. So, and he's the, and as you said, he's the only one that can play quarterback and meet those, you know, lofty expectations that were had before the season. So I don't abandon that until that's clearly off the table. Yeah. Once you make that change, there's really no going back from it. So yeah. I think they, they have to exercise some patience I would say, I, I know I said the OU game after that, we see the results. They have to start having that conversation. I'm not saying they make the change at that point. Uh, I think they need to probably be halfway through the season um, at the six game mark. And if things are still the same or haven't drastically improved, then I think you have to have that conversation because at some point you just got to start looking toward the future. If this season isn't going to work out in the way that everybody hoped that it would. So uh, I still think Will Howard, would be the number two quarterback over the long term if they were to make that switch. I've had people say, you know, make the switch heading into OU. Well, that's if fans want that. That's that's not a good idea, especially if you want Jake Rubley, because Jake Rubley, there's no way in hell they're going to throw Jake Rubley out there for his first game at Norman and at Oklahoma. So that's that's not going to happen. If it does, it's going to be Will Howard at any point in that situation if they have to bring him in. Um, and I think it'll be Will, Will Howard throughout the season. If it's going to be over four-plus games, they'll burn that red shirt, I think, if they think for the long haul they're going to play him this year. So they're not there yet. I think you, know, you give him at least three more games to show he can do it, and at that point you have the bye week um, after the Iowa State game. You have a bye. If you're going to make a change, that's probably when you make the change because you've got two weeks to prepare the other quarterback to take over the system. I just don't love the sound of that upcoming schedule, man. I mean, you got road games in Norman and Ames. I, this is just this could get really unfun very quickly, uh, very quickly here. Especially the way the rest of the Big Twelve is playing out. I know Iowa State hasn't really played anybody, but they are unbeaten, and uh, they've got Baylor. I mean, that'll be a really interesting game this weekend. And if they win that, I know Travis Goff is out here still on Twitter p- positioning himself like. They win that Kansas State scare at Duke. The college game day would still be coming to Lawrence for uh, KU Iowa State the next week. So it just, I, don't I mean, there's no doubt that we can't run from it, man. I mean, that is another thing that is making this a lot less palatable is the fact that Kansas looks like what they do right now and they are garnering all this attention. And I know that recruiting lags behind, right? In case State has done all this great work on in state recruiting. But it sure feels like Kansas can jumpstart things a hell of a lot with what they're doing this year, and you just look forward to the – I don't know, man. I just it, – it, I'm I'm not real optimistic about much right now, if you can't tell, because that is a that is a rough thing. Anybody have anybody have words on Kansas? Anybody want to come after me on that? Well, uh, I just want to have – I have a major pet peeve with Kansas and a lot of the local media thinking that Kansas should get college game day like they're entitled to it for beating two FBS teams. Kansas State – we got, we got college game day in Manhattan twice when we were perennial power over a decade plus. I mean, I thought you had to earn it. I mean, come on. 
the, the college game day going to Lawrence after a couple wins. Just uh, get out of there with that garbage. I I, th- I think people are overreacting to Kansas too, John. I think you're overreacting a little bit. They're obviously better than I thought. I, I perceived them to not be as good as they are. Um, I thought we needed to pump the brakes on Lance Leipold, but he's clearly doing a hell of a job. And what they're doing with that offense is really impressive. But people need to remember as well that Lance Leipold didn't even go to Jalen Daniels until the end of the season last year. So he, he kind of ran into a little stroke of luck here. Um, he was playing Jason Bean as their starting quarterback when clearly he had a better option last year in the quarterback room. So um, he's doing a nice job, but they've also benefited from a schedule looking better than it really actually is. West Virginia is probably going to fire Neil Brown at the end of the year if they can afford the buyout. He's been a disaster in Morgantown, and Houston looks like they're on the way to being a disaster. They should be 0-3 on the season. And everybody picked them to win the American Conference. That's just not going to – it's obviously not going to happen. I think Dana Holgerson's at risk of losing that team. They had guys punching each other on the sideline Saturday uh, in Houston. Their defense is a mess. So it looks like a really nice win. I mean, credit to them uh, for winning that game and winning it in the fashion they did. I'm not going to take that away from them, but I will hold off until we see more in Big 12 play from KU. What I will say is they – they have a pretty favorable schedule to start. I mean, they they get Iowa State at home and I believe TCU at home back to back after this Duke game. So I'm not predicting. I know we said they we laughed kind of at the thought of them going six and zero, but I mean the schedule does kind of tilt their way for a good start. I ain't laughing at bleep anymore with them. I'm not laughing at anything with them the way that they're I, playing I don't, right now cole who who wins more games by the end of this season k-state, K-State. or kansas k-state we, we got we got to stop this over like the group text that we're in it was filled with oh kansas is is better than kansas state that's got to stop kansas who wins not, if they if they played on saturday kansas state kansas state wins the game okay Jalen daniel they are not playing guys guys come on they, they they haven't played a defense like Kansas State. Wake me up when Jalen Daniels has to play an actual defense with a pulse. He's got the best QBR of all time on ESPN right now. DY's not even going to jump in. He, he's he's not going to even waste a breath of oxygen on Kansas. In this, this is a Kansas State podcast. Just get KU out of your head. You're just feeding the stereotype. I don't even think it's look, man, it's more like for the, for the long-term future of this program, it's why I worry about Iowa state so much and why I get so concerned about Iowa state because it's a, it's a and fight. They still have one more than seven or eight games, but it, but it's a, well, I'm right. But I'm saying the fact that they are more competitive and always there and looking like once again, this year, they're probably going to be a seven or eight win team and not fall off after losing everything. Kansas State could be the same thing. I mean, you called Kansas state a little bit like Iowa, Iowa state should have lost Iowa. It's just in a fight for resources. I hate seeing that one of the other schools that you just have not had to worry about at all for local resources is getting things turned around this this quickly. Uh, I think we knew they were going to become a competent team, and I think that's all we really know after three games considering who they have played. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see. Look, we'd love to be wrong, obviously. We'd love to be wrong about that. Um, does anyone have anything positive they'd like to close with? <laughs> We're we're going to Tanner's on Saturday. Everybody, we are going us. to yeah. Tanner's on. We're Saturday. not gonna. Yeah, I mean, we'll uh, we'll try to paint a little more optimism on Saturday. We'll be a week from this game by then. So uh, hopefully, after a couple three sixty vodkas or uh, Ben Holiday bottled in Bond Bourbon, we'll my lead pipe of the week might be Duke plus nine and a half. I would hope. I mean, look, I would love to God for it to all come crashing down. I yeah. But if I make my lead pipe of the week, Duke Moneyline, will you just give me the win for the year? If it turns out to be true. Yeah, I, I will. Yes. I'll be so happy. Well, I need the money line. Yeah. So I'd be, yeah, that would be great. John, what do you think? What, should we stop in Lawrence on the way to Manhattan Saturday and uh, enjoy a little Duke, Kansas football? <laughs> you should. <laughs> we can do a three mile pregame pot at, uh, in Lawrence for a few minutes. Ask, okay. ask the KU fans to name one player on their team that are around there and see if they can do it. Other than the quarterback, I just uh, yeah, I, I just watched not long ago the Woodstock '99 documentary where all the plumbing goes out and like 
It's all porta potties with just overflowing feces coming out of them. I cannot stop at a stadium that is going to make me utilize a porta potty, Cole. So I just, I will not do that. I don't want to put myself in a Woodstock '99 situation because there probably are going to be way more fans at the game than typically would be for that Duke game, right? So the, the the plumbing, the porta potties may not be able to handle s- it all. Maybe. So I, I'd rather not go walk around in in a trench full of filth at maybe, uh, Memorial. Maybe Deuce and Felix can send them more cat cans. <laughs> that is oh, good, man. D.Y. That is good. Well, hey, everybody come join us That's at a good one to end on. That's a good yeah. one to end on. Everyone, everyone come join us on. at – Yes. All yeah. right, 6 o'clock, right, Cole, is when we're starting. Yeah, we'll be six. there. We'll probably be there a little earlier, and uh, hopefully we'll get a guest or two to pop in and join us that uh, will interest Kansas State fans. We'll see. More to come on that front. But uh, we're going to have a good time. And uh, we'll all hope for the best on Saturday. Hopefully there's a lot to cheer for and uh, a lot to celebrate. Let's hope. Come see us 6 o'clock at Tanner's. Hang out for the the game. It's I, I will say this. This is legit. Nobody is paying me to say this. I don't have to say this. When I lived in Manhattan for the 10 years I did, uh, I guess like 15, if you want to extend it out to college, uh, Tanner's was my favorite spot to watch a game. That was my favorite spot. If I was going to watch a game, Tanner's is where I would go. I think they have the best wings in town. I absolutely love them. Get those with the sweet potato fries going, man, and watch all the TVs they have. Like, I, I genuinely really enjoy that atmosphere. I've watched a lot of big games, like Chiefs games mainly, obviously, because I was covering the team. I watched a lot of games there. So really cool place to come hang out. And you get to meet us, at least me and Cole. So come say hi you know, uh, on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's going to do it for all of us. For Tucker Franklin behind the camera or, you know, behind the scenes, whatever. Who probably enjoyed this one a lot more than uh, he enjoyed last week's show. Uh, we appreciate his work as always. For Derek Young, I'm Cole Manbeck. Thanks for listening to another three. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.